Hello, Nickelodeon fans, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. We are covering everything that either ended or premiered on Nickelodeon between the dates of July 3rd and July 10th. And we're actually starting out with two shows that are starting this week, both premiering on July 9th, 2021. Our first stop finds us on Mount Middlemost of the new Nicktoon, Middlemost Post. Starring the character Parker J. Cloud, a former Rain Cloud, joins his friends Agnes Roy Shackleton and the pet walrus Russell as they deliver mail across Mount Middlemost. Um, now look, my mother has been working for the United States Postal Service since about 1990 or 1991. Um, she has definitely put about 30 years into the post office. So for my entire life, I have been around the post office. I have a lot of respect for our postal workers out there, both if you are out in the in the field delivering mail and if you are out in the plant uh, helping sort the mail. If you're out in one of the many post offices around our country helping out all of us get our mail from point A to point B. It's like, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I have a lot of love for postal workers. So to see a Nicktoon coming out that was kind of post office related and just the look of this show. I mean, let me just tell you, uh, John Trabick III has definitely worked on SpongeBob because you get such a, a SpongeBob feeling from the show. But at the same time, this just feels like a classic Nicktoon. I haven't seen the show yet. I've seen some of the various shorts they've put up on YouTube. And I gotta say, I've enjoyed Middlemost Post a little bit. Um, I, I'm gonna obviously wait till I watch the, the full series, but from what I've seen, I've enjoyed the show. So definitely give it a look out there when you uh, when you watch it on Nickelodeon this week. By the way, shout out to John DiMaggio, who was hired to voice uh, Agnes Roy Shackleton and one of my favorite voice actors in the industry. And man, what a perfect voice. If you need any sort of deep, gravelly voice with some comedic timing and character, you go to John DiMaggio. That's the rule. Also on July 9th, 2021, we have the premiere of the Patrick Star Show, the second spinoff of SpongeBob SquarePants, another one that has a bit of controversy behind it, but I think as time has gone on from the situation, more have become, you know, aware of the silliness of the rumors, and, and don't speak for the dead, please. Um, it's one of the worst things you can do, and and we're speaking about Steven Hillenburg here, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, who unfortunately passed away on November 26th, 2018. Um, since then, and since the announcement of Camp Coral and the Patrick Star Show, there has been this kerfluff of anger from fans, as if Steven Hillenburg, one point in his life, said he never wanted any spinoffs and that this was somehow inherently disrespectful, when in fact, if you go to the one piece of evidence, the number one, there's only one, there's not multiple, there's one, this one conversation that Steven Hillenburg had back, back when SpongeBob was celebrating its 10th anniversary, and he was not working on the show at this point when he was interviewed, and he was asked point blank, do you ever see any spinoffs 
coming from the show. And Steven Hillenberg said, frankly, no, I don't see any spinoffs coming from the show because the show is about SpongeBob and maybe focusing on one character would be a little bit too much. Uh, never once did Steven Hillenberg say he didn't want any spinoffs, and in fact, he came back to work with Nickelodeon on not only the second movie, but returned to the show and by all accounts was aware and gave his blessing on some of these very early spinoffs that were announced. Now, for the future, there's obviously going to be spinoffs and productions made past Steven Hillenberg's time on this earth. Do those projects become inherently disrespectful? I don't think so. I mean, you know what? Any of you out there who are artists, I want you to take a moment and think about if you made one show, one character, and you were told before the day you passed or even before a moment you passed that your character is going to live on 100 years past you and make generations of children smile and laugh, how could you find any displeasure in that? You know, we, we live so short in this life. There's a bunch of wonderful artists and and. Uh, animation coming out of the Patrick Star show. And here's the thing, everybody, for everyone freaking out over the show and this, the continuity, could you please wait until the show premieres? Because if you haven't already caught on to what's going on from the trailers or any of the uh, any of the teasers that have been put out, if you have an idea on what the show is, you're probably going to be pleasantly surprised. So don't worry. As far as I'm concerned, continuity moving forward is going to remain intact. But uh, shout out to Nickelodeon for getting Tom Wilson back on to voice Patrick's uh, father in his show, Cecil Starr. Uh, for those that don't know, Tom Wilson, better known as uh, Biff Tannen from the Back to the Future movies, has been a, a, a big mainstay on SpongeBob SquarePants as a voice actor. Of course, one of his biggest roles coming as Flats the Flounder from SpongeBob SquarePants. So uh, definitely check out Middlemost Post. Definitely check out the Patrick Star Show. Let me know what you think after Friday when both of those have premiered. Five years ago, on July 9th, 2016, we had the premiere of the show Legendary Doodahs, created by Kevin Jakubowski. The show followed Theodore Barnes and Devion Harris as Sam Duda and Tyler Duda, the Dudas. The show only ran for one season and six episodes. Also five years ago, on July 5th, 2016, we had the premiere of Crash Leets. Uh, essentially, it is, uh, think of your Tosh .0s, think of your ridiculousness. It sounds like this, but it's just sports-related. And of course, being from Nickelodeon, obviously not mature. But just like uh, Ridiculousness, this show is executive produced by Rob Deerdeck, who is obviously the host of Ridiculousness. This show was presented by Rob Gronkowski, Brandon Brody, and Stevie Nelson. It ran for three seasons of 60 episodes and just showed kids, a live studio audience, the world of sports, people failing, all of them known as crash leads. And it's one thing about the show, it seems like it didn't even get to finish its run on Nickelodeon. It's uh, the first half of the third season ran from February 3rd, 2019 to May 3rd, 2019. And apparently did not finish its second half of the third season on Nickelodeon. The second half was dumped on CBS All Access on December 15th, 2020. So if you were a fan of Crash Leets, watched it on Nickelodeon, and uh, just saw, you know, the final episode, and you didn't know there were any more, there is actually a ton more. There's like 10 more episodes of Crash Leets, uh, probably now on Paramount+. Plus. So definitely check that out. 
Six years ago, on July 6th, 2015, we had the premiere of Talia in the Kitchen, a teen comedy sitcom created by Katharina Ledobier. It ran for one season of 40 episodes. Sixteen years ago, on July 9th, 2005, we had the premiere of the Nicktoon Cat Scratch. Created by Earthworm Jim creator Doug Tenable, the show ran for one season of 20 episodes. When this show was coming out, it was it was being announced as like, this is the, the newest, biggest Nicktoon. This is brand new to the family. They were really pushing this as just, this is going to be another hit up there with with Spongebob and the Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron and Fairly and uh, Danny Phantom and everything. They were really building this as like the next biggest thing. And I remember watching it and it was good, but it just didn't click with me. The show is about three cats who uh, inherit their uh, owner's wealth after she dies. So she passes on and she leaves all of her riches to the three cats. So they pretty much have run amok of the house, including their butler named Hobus. Um, there's also a, a human character, a little girl named Kimberly, who lives in the neighborhood, um, who also hangs out with the cats. The cats are Mr. Blick, who voiced by Wayne Knight, uh, one of my favorite character actors of all time. Wayne Knight from Jurassic Park and Seinfeld does a wonderful Mr. Blick here. The, the characters and the actors are all wonderful. I love these characters for as much as I didn't really love the show. Um, Mr. Blick, Wayne Knight. Gordon, who is voiced by Rob Paulson. Uh, he is a Scottish cat. And we also have Waffle, the um, uh, comedic you know, the comedic character of the show, voiced by Kevin McDonald. All of them do an absolutely wonderful job. And, of course, rounding out the cast is Maurice LaMarche as Hovis. Um, they, the voice acting does a wonderful job. The writing is there. I don't know. I, I, the designs I'm not crazy about for the cats. Um, Waffles design, I, I you know, I think they just went too kind of like dopey with him. He's obviously supposed to be a, a really dim-witted, dopey character. Um, but like his design, like I, I know that, I don't know that maybe that's a smart design thing. I'm just telling you my personal opinion. That's just it. I don't want to be too hard on the show. It just, I got to tell you, it's it was the first Nicktoon that I can honestly say I don't love. Um, ev almost every other homegrown Nicktoon up to this point in two thousand, up to two thousand five, I I absolutely can say I loved Avatar. Maybe not at first. I I didn't really get into Avatar: The Last Airbender until the second season. Being that it's a serial show, you miss you miss three episodes in a row. It's almost not worth hopping on that train again. But I hopped on in, in season two and fell in love with that show. So. Avatar, I always felt like as like the the real big last Nicktoon that I just f absolutely fell in love with. Um, but but Cat Scratch was that one that just came along. It was it was announced as being a big deal, and then it wasn't. And I don't think I'm the only one who didn't fall in love with the show because it also only ran for that one season, those twenty episodes. So um, I don't know if just. I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't watched the full show, so I can't tell you if it's just the writing. But I, I love I love the characters here. I do love the voice actors. I love the idea. I can't tell you what 100% didn't work here. But, um, you know, it, it, it lives on in Nickelodeon history. It still has its fans out there. There are people who bring up Cat Scratch all the time. So maybe it's only 20 episodes. It, it's worth giving another watch, I would say. It's, pro it's on Paramount+. Plus. Go check it out. Uh, give yourself a little bit of Cat Scratch.
24 years ago, on July 9th, 1997, we had the premiere of the Nickelodeon game show, Figure It Out, created by Kevin Kay and Magna Leolis. The show was originally presented by Summer Sanders, and it was about kids. It was about Nickelodeon stars figuring out what kids had as a special ability or of what they collected or why were they on the show in particular. Uh, the show was, once again, presented by Summer Sanders, who would bring a child onto the show who had a special ability, something that made them unique, that they told the audience in the beginning. The point of the show is for our, our cast of Nickelodeon stars, about four of them, would have to, one at a time, guess what the special skill was, the special collection, and they would know ahead of time, like, you know, if it was something they did. They would be able to ask yes or no questions to the uh, to the kid. If they said any of the words that were a part of the puzzle to unlock, they would immediately unlock with a little bit of a horn. The big gimmick of Figure It Out, though, is that there was a secret slime action for every episode. Sometimes the secret slime action could be something generic as scratching your nose, in which if any of the contestants scratched their nose, they would get slimed. Sometimes, though, the secret slime action would literally uh, would be unavoidable if you will. Now, I, I'm just giving this as an example. I don't know if this exactly happened, and maybe it did, but there was definitely a few episodes in which Steve Burns, Steve from Blue's Clues, would be on Figure It Out. And sometimes the secret slime action telling the audience would be, you know, the secret slime action is talking, you know, owning a blue puppy. Ha! Huh, who's going to get slimed? You know, so the second the round would start, Steve would just get slimed. Like it's just what would happen. Uh, it was it was pretty funny. Like it, I enjoyed having him on the show. Danny Tamborelli with the whopping ninety six episodes of Figure It Out between nineteen ninety seven and nineteen ninety nine. He is the king of Figure It Out. Uh, right under him, Kevin Coplo, who you might remember as the stage manager of all that, the uh, the bald gentleman, but he was also a writer and producer of all that, Keenan and Kel, Cousins for Life, uh, and he also did Austin and Alley for Disney Channel. So, so he was on for 56 episodes from 97 to 99. Amanda Bynes did 52, and and Lord, I was mistaken. I thought Danny Tamborelli was the king. He stayed on for the four years, but Lori Beth Denberg of All That Fame, one of the all-stars of All That, between three years of 1997 to 1990, uh, three seasons, I meant, from 1997 to 1998, 115 episodes of Figure It Out. She seems like she was the mainstay. Uh, the show eventually finished up its run on December 12th, 1999. Two years for a game show, not that bad. It was revived on Nickelodeon back on June 11th, 2012, lasting about a year till July 16th, 2013. 31 years ago, on July 4th, 1990, it saw the premiere of Nickelodeon's newest game show, Wild and Crazy Kids. The show, which uh, involved large teams of usually children, participated in massive head-to-head -head physical challenges on Nickelodeon. The show was presented by three teenage co-hosts during its first three seasons. Omar Gooding and Donnie Jeffcoat were, were in all three seasons. Annette Chavez was a presenter in season one and Jessica Gaines for seasons two and three. Now, this was a show that was very popular when I was a kid. Even in reruns throughout the 90s, kids would talk about uh, Wild and Crazy Kids. This was... If you had made me list the 90s Nickelodeon shows that I would turn the channel away from, Wild and Crazy Kids was one of them. 
I don't know why. There was something about all of the other game shows I would watch, like Legends of the Hidden Temple, Figure It Out, um, Double Dare. They were in these really colorful, bright studio settings. They had gimmicks to them. Wild and Crazy Kids were usually outside from what I can remember. And, you know, they were they were fun stuff. It was definitely it had a lot of energy on the show. Um, but it just wasn't a show that got my attention. And it was apparently revived back in July 29th, 2002. Definitely at a time I was watching Nickelodeon. I do not remember whatsoever Wild and Crazy Kids coming back. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But but it had a revival. It lasted, I think, one season until October 7th, 2002. But we'll obviously uh, get to that later this month. Also, 31 years ago, on July 4th, 1990, we had the premiere of Skate TV. It was originally hosted by Matthew Lillard uh, and Skate Master Tate. It was a skateboard variety show that featured on-set interviews as well as some uh, off-site action segments. Various filming techniques would find their way into Nickelodeon for the very first time and pretty much introduced to television as a whole with Skate TV, including the idea of using handheld cameras and the use of multi-format film and video. The set for the show was built up at the Pink Motel in Sun Valley, California, and was actually produced and directed by a few of the original Z-Boys, Nathan Pratt of the Z-Boys, and then the Mark Austin Hunt from Binder Entertainment. The show was actually directed by skateboarding legend and Z-Boy originator himself, Stacy Peralta. If you don't know the story of the the Z-Boys, I would either watch Stacy Peralta's documentary Dogtown and Z-Boys, but if you're someone who likes just kind of watching movies and whatnot, Lords of Dogtown is a 2005 movie that is based off of the Z-Boys and the rise of skateboard culture and and it, it is absolutely worth a watch. I have I have nothing but good things to say about Lords of Dogtown. One of my favorite movies growing up when I was getting heavy into skateboarding and learning about the culture. Um, this show, uh, uh, Skate TV, unfortunately didn't last long. I know it sounds like I was, like, it sounds like it should be a big deal. Um, it only ran for 13 episodes from July 4th to September 29th, 1990. Um, but hey, it did feature a young Tony Hawk, which is pretty incre incredible. Um, it actually did resurface on Nick Gass in 1999 and aired until 2005, pretty much. So six years uh, those episodes of Skate TV would, would air on Nick Gas, so it was definitely before its time. I mean, skateboarding didn't really, like, hit this massive mainstream level until about 10 years later. I'd say right after the Tony Hawk games came out and, and skateboarding entered video games, which then just all eyes were then turning on Tony and everything he was doing, and all eyes were on skateboarding as a whole. Bam Margera was getting big. Um, and all of the skaters of the Tony Hawk series were just, if you were in that game, you were just a made person. Everybody wanted to see you skate and whatnot. This was, I, I, skateboarding still had culture in 1990. I'm just saying in terms of a mainstream children's network audience, definitely a little bit ahead of its time, but good for them for trying something so early on. And we're going to end on a big one here because 31 years ago, on July 12th, 1990, showed the final airing of Pinwheel on Nickelodeon. Now, as far as I can find, it definitely wasn't the last episode of Pinwheel, so we're breaking context here a little bit, but you got to understand something about Pinwheel. 
it's the first program to air on Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah, let that sink in for a second. Pinwheel is is if you're a Nickelodeon fan, Pinwheel is the beginning. It's the it's the foundation that everything later on is built off of. Um Pinwheel was a program designed and aimed for preschoolers around 2 to 6. Something along the lines of Sesame Street, thinking that way. Um, and in fact, an educator who spent her earlier career at the Children's Television Workshop um, eventually helped create Pinwheel with Vivian Horner. Uh, Vivian Horner, who yet once again worked on Sesame Street, ended up creating Pinwheel for Nickelodeon. Uh, the show is set in a boarding house called Pinwheel House, which is powered by a pinwheel on the roof. Uh, the house's residents are a mix of live-action humans and puppets, and most of the show's songs are set to the music in the style of a wind-up music box. I have seen some footage of Pinwheel online, of course, just being a Nickelodeon fan. Hey, I'm going to look into this. Definitely is not something that I'm going to sit here and watch all 260 episodes for, but that's how long it lasted. Three seasons, 260 episodes, and the reason July 12th, 1990 is such a big deal, as I mentioned earlier, that is the final time that this show aired its reruns on Nickelodeon before making its way over to the newest Nick Jr. Cart uh, show, Eureka's Castle. Now, the L.A. Times even called Eureka's Castle a true successor to Pinwheel in terms of just content and overall quality, I'm, I'm imagining, um, because the shows are similar in the use of puppets, but a little bit different. I actually grew up with Eureka's Castle, so I have a lot of love for that. Obviously, Pinwheel, ahead of ahead of my time, it stopped airing on the network months before I was born, So, um, but, but we got to pay our respects. Its final episode was actually in December of 1984. So, uh, but Pinwheel has its start all the way back in 1977 on December 1st, and went strong, as you can tell, for 30 years. I mean, almost 30 years total airing on television. But it lasted a long time, even after it finished its run in '84. Still ran reruns for another six years on Nickelodeon. Uh, so it, it has its place in Nickelodeon history. Like I said, you, you don't get to many other shows without Pinwheel. There obviously has to be something that starts it all. And, and here at Nickelodeon, we have Pinwheel to thank for, for a lot of what we currently have today. So uh, my salute goes out to Pinwheel, and it's 31 years since being off of television. Thank you, you know, Vivian Horner, for, for putting that show up, for creating it, um, and, and for definitely helping helping put Nickelodeon on the map and helping bring Nickelodeon to where it is today in 2021. So we very much appreciate you. And that is this week in Nickelodeon history. I do have a, a big update uh, for my Legends of the Hidden Temple workout um, right now. Just, just from the last couple weeks since I've started this, it's been mainly diet, mostly with a light exercise. And I've been open about what I've been doing here and there about what I'm changing, how much I'm, uh, what I'm changing in what I eat and how much I eat. Uh, right now I am down about 30 pounds at 285. It is the lightest I have been in a few years and I'm still like just still moving forward. Like seeing that is the motivation I've needed for years to, to keep going. So now that I'm here, I'm not going to stop. 
um, regardless on what happens with Legends of the Hidden Temple. But that is this week in Nickelodeon history. Thank you to all of you who keep up with this week after week. I appreciate it. Thank you for being along for the ride. Thank you for being a part of the Ready Crew if you are a part of that. Uh, please listen to any of the other podcasts I put out. I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, uh, usually in the same feed if you're watching this. Uh, so check that show out. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, anything you'd like for me to read out on the air, you can email me at snailmail at euphonics.com, ufonyx.com. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to be doing something in the future with the snail mail segment, uh, something a little bit bigger, maybe a uh, once the once a month snail mail uh, YouTube exclusive where I can just read out some questions or whatnot. Uh, obviously, I don't get enough to sustain week after week, but I, I do talk to a lot of you who um, even through social media uh, have wonderful things to say about the show and I appreciate it. So thank you for listening. You can catch me on Twitter at I'm ready podcast and at Instagram at SpongeBob podcast. I still put up a lot of Nickelodeon centric content on both of those. So if you are just about the Nickelodeon, not about the sponge, you can still hang out with me there, but thank you for listening and we'll see you here next week. On the Lord of Hero Hat, Nick. On the Lord of Hero Hat, Nick, Nick. On the Rick Diggle, while living number one, Nickelodeon.